This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Assessment of Pressure Injuries and Dressing Considerations by Susan Hamilton Introduction Hi, my name is Sue Hamilton. I am a clinical nurse specialist at Boston Children's Hospital. I'm going to talk today about pressure injuries. Development By definition, pressure injuries form over bony prominences, so you would look at the hips, the scapula, the back of the head, the back, the sacral buttocks area. Children don't develop pressure injuries as often as adults, but due to various reasons, they are at risk. It's known that very small children, especially infants, the greatest risk is at the back of the head, at the occiput. In older children, it's at the sacrum. Pressure injuries developed based on intensity and duration of pressure. So if a patient is kept in one position for a long period of time, the likelihood of a pressure injury developing increases greatly. It's also dependent on the patient's mobility. If the patient is bed-bound or chair-fast, again, they are at increased risk. And there's friction and shear. If a child is very agitated and moving around a lot, there may be friction against the bed sheets. Or it also could be shearing, where they are actually rubbing their bones against their skin and causing a pressure injury that happens from the inside out to the skin. Moisture as well. Children who have a fever are very often moist and diaphoretic, and moisture in and of itself can often contribute to shear and put the patient at risk. Also, nutritional status. A patient who has poor nutritional status is at risk for poor healing, and so nutrition status always needs to be optimized to promote healing and prevent skin breakdown. Also, oxygenation and perfusion status. We need to think about if the patient has poor oxygen saturation you can surmise that the perfusion to their skin is also severely compromised. Staging. Pressure injuries are staged from stage one to stage four, as well as two categories for pressure injuries that are not stageable at this point. I am showing you now a picture of a stage one pressure injury. That is when the skin is red and it will not blanch. If you put your finger on it, it will not turn white and become red again. It will stay red. The skin is not broken. Next is a stage two pressure injury. The skin is broken in a stage two pressure injury and there is usually, as seen in this picture, granulation tissue in the middle. It may have a bit of debris inside of it, but as you can see in this one, there are nicely marked edges and a nice pink granulation bed. There is no bone showing, there is no fascia showing, and it is just down to the epidermal level. Stage three pressure injuries go down deeper into the fascia. As you can see in the wound, there is some fascia showing. There is a mixed wound bed here and there is some granulation, but there is definitely a deeper wound here. Stage four pressure injuries, by definition, go down to the bone. That is a piece of exposed bone on this particular patient. You can see that some of the wound bed is pink and granulating, but as long as there is bone showing, then it would be a stage four. And when you stage a pressure injury, it is always that stage. So even if it's in a healing stage as this one is, this will always be considered a stage four pressure injury. It would be a healing stage four pressure injury. The next one is considered a deep tissue injury. 
The patient has an area of poor perfusion that looks almost like a bruise, but may be a deep purple marbled color over a bony prominence. That could potentially open up and become a stage three or four pressure injury. But for right now, you can't assess that because it's just in its evolving stage. So we classify that as a deep tissue injury. The other one that you cannot decide what it is now would be an unstageable pressure injury. If you look at this patient, there is a heavy black eschar over it. And as long as that eschar is there, we don't really know what lies beneath it. So that eschar needs to be lifted off and then the wound will be staged and we will figure out how deep it is. And we will be going over assessment and how to assess and document a wound like this as we go forward. Assessment. I am going to go over how to assess a wound and then we will look at our patient's wound and just go through it together. The first thing you want to do is assess the wound, where it is, how long the patient has had it, the dimensions and depth of the wound, which we will go over more completely. You want to look for undermining and tunneling. You want to look at the inside of the wound bed and what it looks like. You want to look and see if there is drainage from it and whether the surrounding tissue is infected or whether it looks clean and healthy, or whether it has yeast around it or any sort of maceration or wetness. You want to know whether the patient has any pain related to the injury, and you want to then, once you make the assessment, make a staging. Treatment. The principles that we use to treat wounds is the DIAWAMPI acronym. That stands for you want to debride a wound so that you can get, to the, get the wound bed open. You want to look and identify infection. You want to be able to wick up dead space fill the wound in, and you want to be able to absorb the extra exudate or drainage. You want to maintain a moist environment. A moist environment is an alive environment. You don't want things to dry out, with the exception of potentially on a heel, because the tissue is considered dead. You want to make sure that the wound edges are open so that the wound can actually heal in. And of course, you want to protect the site and insulate the site. And then once you have finished all of this, you want to make a clear documentation of what you've seen so the next person who comes along can actually make the same assessment that you did. Once you realize that you have a problem with a pressure injury, you need to be very proactive about treating it using the ESP plus E principles. We talk a lot about prevention in a prior video, and prevention is most important, but if a wound does develop, you need to think about the E being correcting etiological factors. Is there some reason why this patient got this? Then you need to think about systemic support. If the patient has poor nutrition, you need to do what you can to maximize the nutrition. And then you need to use principle-based topical therapy. You may have limited resources for different kinds of dressings, but basically we will go over that and how to keep a wound bed moist and how to debride a wound and how to get it to granulate in. And then after you've done the care, you need to continue to evaluate wounds on a regular basis to assure that they are progressing. Any wound that does not start to progress or heal in two weeks is then considered a chronic wound and its chance to heal without major intervention is much less likely. Now I'm going to show you some of the wound products. We'll start with the more simple, such as the gauze products. You can use the two by two size and these can actually be opened up and placed into the wound. There's also four by four size which if they're come in a folded, you can take them and actually put them into the wound in a fluffed position. The goal is not to stuff the wound full, but to fill it loosely to give some room for drainage and for the wound to contract in. 
There's also different types of packing gauzes which you can use which are narrower for thin or deep wounds and you can use a Q-tip to help move the packing into the wound. It's a good idea to know how much you put in the wound and to leave a small piece outside the wound so that when you go to redress it, you can pull the gauze straight out. There's also cover dressing such as abdominal pads or something that will just absorb excess drainage that comes out over the dressing, the primary dressing. There's also transparent film dressings. These dressings are particularly good as a secondary covering dressing or to use for a stage one or stage two pressure ulcer that you just want to protect the site. You can use these for blisters, which would be considered a stage two pressure ulcer if it was related to pressure, and it will help keep the blister intact. For blisters, you can also use a, a wet dressing such as a Vaseline gauze or a Xeriform gauze. Just place these over the wound to help keep them moist and protected. There's also higher end dressings such as hydrocolloid dressings which will absorb some moisture but these are not meant for highly draining wounds but they will provide some protection as well as absorb some drainage. There's also foam dressings that not only protect the skin but also are fairly absorbent as well. There's also silicone dressings, which these dressings, while they are expensive, they actually have several purposes. The middle is considered um, an absorptive pad and will take up to three times the, their weight in drainage. And the outside is made of a silicone filling that will not hurt the skin that surrounds the wound. They will bring all the moisture away from the wound and help to heal the wound more quickly. There's also hydrofiber dressing such as this. This dressing is also will absorb more than three times its weight. It goes in as a fiber, but it will come out like a jelly. It will absorb all the drainage and bring it out of the wound. This is the regular kind. It also comes in silver. There are many different options for silver dressings on the market now. And this dressing with silver is good for a wound that is infected because it will have um, gram-negative and some gram-positive um, effect on helping infected wounds to heal. So those are some of the products that we can use. And don't forget that in tape, in choosing tape, you should use a tape that is mild on the skin, preferably like a paper tape that will not cause further skin tears on the patient. Now that I've shown you some of the products, we're going to go ahead and make an assessment of this patient's wound and dress the wound, and then we'll go over documentation. Demonstration. Now we're going to assess and clean and dress this wound. So you can see this patient's wound is on his coccyx area or sacrum, just at the base of the buttocks. This is a common area for older children to get a wound, especially if they are bed-bound or chair-fast and unable to move themselves. The first thing you want to do is just get an overall assessment of what the wound looks like and the surrounding tissue around it. My first glance at this wound, it's a rather large wound and it has a mixed wound bed. There is some black eschgar as well as some yellow slough in the wound and some granulation around the edges of the wound and some bleeding, which would be a sign of some healthy tissue. To Accurately assess this, we want to get measurements on this wound. So you want to take a tape measure and in centimeters, measure first the length and then the width 
and then the depth of the wound. In measuring this wound, it's six centimeters long by four centimeters wide. And then to assess the depth, you can take a Q-tip and you can go into the wound and assess its maximal depth and do it in several areas and then measure how deep, in this case, this wound is one centimeter deep. There are areas that potentially will become deeper in this wound as this slough in this eschar starts to come off. Also, if this wound has some open areas, you want to feel all the way around the wound to see whether there's any areas of tunneling which the wound goes underneath the skin or undermining where there may be spaces underneath the edge of the wound. And when you document those, you should document those as on a clock. So if I found an area down here, I would document that there was a tunnel or undermining at six o'clock. Then the next person who comes to take care of this wound has a good idea of what they're going to find when they come to assess this wound. The next thing that we wanna do is clean up this wound and then we're going to choose a dressing to help heal it. Just wet normal saline gauze is good for cleaning wounds. You want to use some, some pressure to clean off any dry skin or areas that are, are just dead and dry and flaky. You want to clean the wound bed. If it bleeds a little, that's actually a good sign that there's healthy, viable tissue there. If you push too hard on the wound though, you may actually disrupt the wound bed. So you wanna use some pressure, but not aggressive pressure in cleaning the wound. Once the wound is all clean, you can go ahead and dry the areas. You wanna do whatever you can to protect the skin that surrounds the wound. There are products that you can use, but also just use a dressing that will contain as much of the drainage as possible. For this wound, I'm going to choose for now a moist gauze covered with a dry gauze, and then we'll use a foam dressing to help absorb some of the drainage. The goal for this wound would be to get that slough and that eschar to come out of the wound so that then we can see what the base of the wound looks like and then get it to heal from the inside out. So now that I've cleaned it, I'm going to take a piece of damp gauze. And again, like I said earlier, if you fluff the gauze onto the wound. Then I'm going to place a dry gauze over that. And then I'll put the foam dressing over for extra protection, insulation, and padding. And then I would tape the whole dressing. And I would change that dressing at least once a day or if it became soiled with stool, or if the drainage came through to the foam dressing. Once you're done dressing this wound, you would then need to document your findings, your length, your width, your depth, the wound bed, what the surrounding tissue looks like, and the stage of the pressure injury. And that concludes this section of pressure injury treatment. Thank you for watching this video. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.